Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Yippee-yi-yo-ki-yi. We're here, and we're here to save the day, apparently. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. I was thinking of that I Love Lucy episode where Lucy and Ethel were doing yippee yi yo yay I don't remember that one. Well, they they were doing a film, and then they play it backward for the producer or the director. I forget who they were playing it for, but it was hilarious. Dude, I, speaking of backwards, I found this guy on Instagram the other day that sings songs backwards and then plays them in reverse so that it's the actual song forwards. That's and I was weird. thinking to myself, that is so immensely difficult because he calculates what the melody should be backwards and like rhythmically what to do on his guitar playing it backwards so that then when he plays that in reverse it's the actual tune that you know forwards so talking about being a good steward of our lives (laughs) would would that be is that an utter waste of time yes yes but 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 like in today's economy, like he could actually do really well. He could make a lot of money. People, if people start watching him and following him, right? He, I don't know. He could make a lot more than most of us. You know, people who have degrees, undoubtedly. And, so is it a waste then if he could be super lucrative with it? Well, not if he's going to turn around and and be a believer and steward well, that okay, money so well. Right? Let's just suppose that he he's not a Christian. He's just average Joe guy. Yeah. But he's making. I mean, think about the dude perfect guys. The dude perfect guys are making bonkers money doing trick shots and playing video games and or not video. Whatever, I don't know what they do. They do a lot of stuff. Is that is that something that a Christian should do? Well, so, and I know they're Christians, by the way. Yeah. So here's the deal. I grew up listening to, maybe I shouldn't announce this on the podcast, but one of my favorite musicians growing up in high school, Dave Matthews Band. Oh, I can't believe, are you, were you a Christian? I was, barely, but I was. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, their musicians are phenomenally talented. He's a yes, phenomenal guitarist. Yeah. Their drummer, John their sax Mayer, player. John, John Mayer and his crew. Same John thing. Mayer, same, same thing, thing, right? And, and somebody would would ask the question, like, uh, is are, when they play their music, are, are they is God glorified by them playing their music? No, because it's not worship music. They're not playing Darlene Jack's song. They didn't, they weren't playing shout to the Lord, pastor shout PJ, to the Lord. There it is. <laughs> no, but it's an interesting question and we can look lyrically at some of their content and go, okay, clearly these lyrics are not glorifying to God, but the act of John Mayer or Dave Matthews playing their instrument and being able to do with a guitar some things that would take me the next two million years to be able to fathom doing with a guitar. Yeah. That act is glorifying God because God created his body. And even though he is not actively glorifying God intentionally, he's passively glorifying God through the use of his body to do the thing that is is that which images its creator. Um, and so when we think of dude perfect or we think of this crazy guy playing the song backwards I, I think there's value in a sense there it's not a total valueless pursuit because god is glorified when we look at like this trick shot where you go the human body's amazing and there i know the creator that allowed him to do that right john may or may not say yeah the creator god of the universe allowed me to be able to do this but we can watch him play the guitar and listen to his his tone and go wow i know the god who created that and that that causes me to worship him even more. Maybe the lyrics can't allow me to worship him, but man, just thinking about the fact that God made him to do that, 
It's pretty cool. I don't know, man. Your body is a wonderland sounds a lot like Song of Solomon. <laughs> so <laughs> it's arguable. Maybe he was inspired by that book. So you're arguing from a common grace, general revelation perspective, whether or not you're an actual Christian, everything and everyone actually testifies to the glory of God yes. because everything points back to the creator, the maker of yes. all such things. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's dive into Proverbs chapter 25, 26. And 27. Body is one. Stop. Stop. <laughs> stop. We do not need an explicit rating on this podcast. <laughs> he doesn't cuss in it, I don't think, anyway. No. Well, still. Hey, Proverbs chapter 25. What if I sang the song of Solomon? Listen, we've got three Proverbs that we have to get okay, through. Okay, 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 okay. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> here we go. Hey, Proverbs 25. Hey, verse six. Do not put yourself forward in the king's presence or stand in the place of the great, for it's better to be told, come up here, than to be put in a lower presence in lower in the presence of a noble. Uh, hopefully this reminded you of a parable that Jesus told. And that is from Luke 14, where he said, Hey, when you go to a wedding feast, not a parable, I guess, but just a, that one, yeah. a, a truth. When you go to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor because you could be told, Hey, move down rather sure. sit in the lowest seat and you might be told move up. So Solomon has that same concept here. And it's possible that Jesus was even alluding back to this as he was giving that instruction to his disciples. Indeed. Verse two. I love this verse. It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. Mm. I love a good mystery. I love things that are hard to reconcile. So even though it breaks my brain to think about some of the things that are true about God, it's also, uh, it, I think God designs it so that we are, I mean, think about this. God could have made our brains fully capable of comprehending all that he is. I, I think he could have done that yes. without being God ourselves. Yes. And I think there will be something to be said about when we have our glorified brains, we'll be able to do this much better. But right now, he gives us puzzle pieces that we strive to put together and figure out, and that's our glory. God gave us a king-like glory to figure things out. And so I think this testifies to being a, a learner, not only since our youth, but for the rest of our lives. We should learn and seek to understand the ways of God. Yeah. Let's go over to verses 21 and 22. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head. Take that enemy. And the Lord will reward you. Well, that, here's that stake. Yeah. To that point, right? What does this mean? What does it mean that we're heaping burning coals on his head? And I think there's two primary possibilities here. Probably the most common you'll hear is that in being kind like this, you will cause um, feelings of, of shame in the 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 life of the enemy. They will feel guilty. They will feel ashamed of the way that they, they were acting, of the way that they were treating you. That's that's one option. Option two builds on that, but carries it a little bit further, and it actually borrows from uh, of the culture of Egypt, and that is that in Egyptian culture, it was a sign of repentance to carry a bowl of hot coals on one's head, and so it's possible that there's some borrowing from Egyptian wisdom literature here from Solomon, which would be fine. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't call into question the inspiration of scripture or anything else like that. But it's possible that Solomon had that in view that he was th thinking, you know, when you're doing kind, when you're doing good, when your enemy does you evil, you're opening the door for the possibility that they will repent from what they're doing, not just feel bad about it with the shame and the guilt, but that this will actually lead them to repentance, which would lead to the reward here being them fully coming back to uh, seek your forgiveness and repent from what they've been doing. Certainly possible. And I think, just to be just to be clear, I think the primary usage of burning coals in the scriptures 
is judgmental. It's it's not God's favor. It's not God's happiness. It doesn't typically display repentance. It's God's judgment being reflected there. But it is possible. And when we when we are kind to our enemies, that's our hope. Our hope is their redemption. Our hope that they do turn. Our hope is that they do feel a sense of remorse and sorrow and see in our lives uh, an example worth emulating themselves. So yeah. whether it does or doesn't mean that, that is our goal. Our goal is redemptive. Right, right, for sure. Verse 28, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. It's pretty straightforward, but a, a, a pretty sobering picture there. Uh, when you think of somebody that doesn't have self-control, he's defenseless and uh, nobody would want to live in that city. Um, and so that's not a, a good thing. We should desire self-control in our lives. Certainly one of the fruit of the spirit and uh, something that we should be manifesting. Oh, like in a new age kind of way? No. Manifest. Demonstrating. Got it. Chapter 26. How about the contradiction here? Verses four and five contradict each other. How dare you? Answer not a fool according to his folly. Give me your Bible. Lest you be like him yourself. Verse five. Answer a fool according to his folly. Lest he be wise in his own eyes. So are we supposed to answer a fool or not answer a fool? Rip this out of your Bible. Tear it out. Never look at it again. No, I think what Solomon is doing here is he's commending wisdom and how we approach a fool. Basically what I think the first part is saying is don't answer a fool like a fool. Don't you know, play on in his same manner playing fool, right? Playing field, right? Don't, don't respond in like, like terms to a fool, um, lest you be like him yourself. Instead, answer him, answer his folly. And that's the, according to here, uh, not in the same manner, but answer in response to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. In other words, bring that rebuke, bring that instruction, uh, in order to redeem him from being wise in his own eyes. All right. Uh, verse 11, this is kind of graphic. So maybe cover a little ears. Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Um, I've, heard, I've heard several different takes on, on this kind of wisdom. The idea is uh, a fool learns from, or yeah, a fool learns from his mistakes. No, actually a fool doesn't learn from his mistakes. Right. Here, the scripture says a fool continues to repeat the same error over and over again. Pastor PJ, has your dog done this yet? You know, I've not seen him eat his vomit. I've seen him eat some other pretty gross stuff, but just not his vomit. <laughs> I don't want to hear what he's been eating. I've seen my so when I had a dog long ago, she did this and it was disgusting. I mean, everyone knows it's like so repulsive, Yeah. but God is so smart here to create this imagery for us. This is, this is us as fools, not learning from our errors. God wants us to learn. And he certainly doesn't want us to be like dogs who return back to their own filth. So, make sure this isn't you make sure that you're learning from the mistakes that God, that God allows you to make in order to become anything like this dog. Yeah. Verses 14 through 16, the sluggard is highlighted there in a negative sense. And we're encouraged to avoid being lazy. And there's repercussions for that as he lays out in those verses. But look at verse 20 for lack of wood, the fire goes out and where there is no whisper quarreling ceases. I appreciate that. It's a reminder that we have the control to bring to an end quarreling or gossip or uh, fighting or anything like that. If, if we will oftentimes just swallow the, the last st- sentence, we don't have to have the last word. We don't have to go say to this person over on the side, Hey, did you hear what this person did? Did you, we can bring an end by just sometimes in life, taking the L is better than getting the, taking the getting L. the W. What does that mean? Taking the loss. Oh, taking the loss. You don't always have to be right. Right. Yeah. And I, I think this applies really readily in marriages on both sides of the equation, husbands and wives. I mean, there are times where maybe you are in the right in the end, but for the sake of the peace of the marriage, you're going to go ahead and say, you know what? I'm going to take the L on this one because I'd rather, I value unity in our, our marriage relationship right now over value over what I do valuing being right, because that's just going to keep the fight going. Amen. That's a good point. 27. Oh yeah. 27. Let's get to it. Yep. You see it. I see it too. Let's do it. Verse one. 
No, but I was, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) First one, don't boast about tomorrow for you don't know what a day may bring. I do like that one though. James picks up on this, right? When he says, Hey, you who say tomorrow, we're going to go into the city and do this and trade for this. He says, you don't know what day a day is going to bring. You just say, if the Lord wills, we'll do that. And that's true. And that's the the principle there. Were you looking at verse six, five and six, five and six. These are some of my favorites. Come on then. Okay. You. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. I've, I've quoted this one to high school students and friends all over the place. Just like, this is the kind, I mean, this is that, uh, like having the kiss on the lips, truth being a kiss on the lips. Right. Same idea here. Your, your best friends are those who tell you the truth. I mean, the, the, your, your best friends are those who tell you, Hey, you've got a, a boogie hanging out of your nose or you've got something in your teeth. Your, your, Less than good friends are those who see it and perhaps ignore it. And maybe that there's something to be said about that. You don't want to embarrass somebody. Right. But your closest friends are going to be those who say, hey, let me tell you, you got your flies down or you, you got something in your teeth. It would be helpful to know that. Um, Christians value truth. Christians value relationship. And when truth and relationship work together, that sometimes looks like open rebuke, calling somebody out because you love them. Right. And, and, and not just for appearance things. I mean, we're talking about, hey, man, what you said back there, I, I think your tone was harsh. Or, hey, I you know saw the way that you were talking to your wife at that event. And I just got to tell you, I, I think it was, I think you were out of line. What you were saying may have been true, but your approach to that was wrong, right? Your tone was wrong. You weren't loving her as the weaker vessel in that relationship there. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I mean, we, we need to be willing to, here's a phrase for you, get in each other's kitchens. And that just means like when you think about your kitchen, it's, it's one of the places that your closest friends and families, uh, family are the ones that get in your kitchen. You're, you're the, the vacuum salesman at the front door is not getting in your kitchen. So spiritually speaking, you need somebody that's going to get in your kitchen in life and put the finger in your chest and say, dude, I, I calling you out on this because I love you. And this is what I'm, I'm finding is a, a problem here. There's probably wise apprehension from most of us who are hearing this and saying, I, I probably would not do this without without having some sense of that's, that's okay. Right. So I think it's important for all of us to, to make sure that there are friends in our lives, friends and maybe close family that you say, Hey, you have this license to get in my kitchen. Right. And I want it. you in there. Please. Yep. If you see something, say something. We yep. need those people. Yep. Yeah. How about verse 10? Uh, second half specifically better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. I think that's just a good reminder to us of the importance of building community where you are. I know sometimes we move to a new area or we find ourselves in a new place as many, again, listening to this have, and there can be a, a, a desire to hold on to former friendships and former relationships. And, and there's, that's fine, especially in today's culture and society, we're able to keep in touch with people technologically pretty easy, right. but you should be building a community where you are. There should be those neighbors that are near that are, are in this wor- world as, as Solomon is saying, better than a brother who's far away. Yeah. Um, we were made for community. And so we should be having that and building that here and where we are. Yeah. I'd like to add one thing to that. I think physical presence supersedes digital presence. Yes. And that means you should prioritize the relationships for those people who are closest to you physically. This is that whole concept of who's my neighbor. Well, those who are your, your actual around the physical people you're around in today's day and age, because of what you're saying, pastor PJ, it's so easy for us to call our friend back in California or Wyoming or New York. It's, it's, almost too easy. Yes. There's no, there's no bar. It doesn't cost me a lot of money. I can keep up. I can FaceTime them. I can, I can do all these things and there's nothing bad with that, but it's better to invest in the people that are nearby, the physical people near you. That really, really matters. God made us to be physical creatures embodied in a physical location. We're not meant to try to teleport as it were to different places on the planet, invest in the relationships closest to you, prioritize those. 
Yes. Well, let's do one more. How about verse 19? You mentioned, I think, uh, maybe last week in an episode, Pastor Rod, where you said, you know, so often a student would say, oh man, I accidentally said this word. And you said, well, no, that's that's not an accident. That's your heart revealing that's what's, who you are, yeah. what's, what's there. Right. Well, he takes it that next level deep here because he says, is in water, face reflects face. So the heart reflects the man, right? And so Ooh. we were talking about the words reflect the heart. He's taking it to that next level, which is what you were saying in that instance is that is in the heart then reflects the person like the heart is who you are. And, uh, and, and that's, that goes to, you know, you think about Jeremiah 31, you think about the new covenant idea that we get a new heart when w- w- through God, that he takes the heart of stone and replaces it with a heart of flesh. And that's something that we need uh, to be as second Corinthians five that we talked about yesterday. And we didn't hit on this verse specifically, but that we need to be those new creations in Christ that we need to be made brand new in the heart of man is what reflects who the man truly is. Amen. Well, speaking of second Corinthians, let's jump over to chapter six, chapter six. And I want us to jump and focus in for a minute on verses 14 and following. This is one that, uh, there, when I was in college, there was a website called missionarydating.com uh-huh. and, uh, they sold t-shirts and other such things. And yeah. How many shirts did you buy? I did not buy any. <laughs> I bought did zero the club? missionary data. I did not. You'd I did not. Premium level? Yeah. It was not like the most upright and wholesome thing, but it was like a supposed to be a, a sarcastic like jab at this concept oh, that okay. Christians could date non-Christians, okay. right? Um, missionarydating.com. It, don't go there. I don't even know if it's still alive, but uh, it, it, it's, it's taken from the concept that's developed in these verses, and that is that we are not to be unequally yoked, verse 14, with unbelievers. So Pastor Rod, you've been in student ministry for many, many years now, multiple decades, going on 40 years in student ministry. That's 45. amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm not even that old. You don't even look a day older than 50. That's so <laughs> you. You ever see that meme where it says his name is Duncan? It's like, pastoral ministry is not stressful. Right. And it's this old guy right. who's like 23 years old. Right, right. <laughs> But talk to us about this because I'm sure you've had to deal with this, right? Students that are believers that are like, man, but I met this guy or I met this girl and she's so nice. No, she's not a Christian, but I I think she might come to church. We've also got adults in that situation. What would you counsel? Man, PPJ, I got to tell you, man, this is... This is one of the hardest things that I've had to counsel people through because there's real emotion. There's real care for people that totally. are unbelievers. And yet the effect that an unbeliever has on a Christian so often is so much stronger mm-hmm. than what the Christian has on the unbeliever that what ends up taking place is that the Christian ends up departing. I don't want to say losing their faith because first John two nineteen says that no one can actually lose their faith, but these people end up being torn away from yeah. their, their profession. And most of the time that's what happens. Um, I've seen it. I've seen I've seen students depart from the faith because of a very influential close friend who I mean, they, they, I'm sure there's something there. There's some kind of close intimacy, um, but they're 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 torn away for the very reasons that that Paul says here. Uh, what what accord do they have? What fellowship does light have with darkness? What accord does Jesus have with the devil? What portion does an unbeliever have with an unbe- uh, a believer have with an unbeliever? Um, the idea here is that you're two polarities. How can you guys get along that well? And Paul's not saying you shouldn't have non-Christian friends. Right. Paul actually says the opposite. He says, I don't want you to be out of the world because I need you there to be salt and light, to be influential. He's talking about the kind of close partnerships that let you into the kitchen. As right. to talk about our, our, our last uh, our last podcast. Um, we need people 
to have guarded relationships with unbelievers, especially when it comes to our kids. You need to protect them and help them to make wise decisions about the kind of influences they allow into their lives. I think we talked about it the last podcast or the one before that. Um, I've heard this, and I think this is true. I think this is biblically substantiated. You tend to be the average of your five closest friends. Mm. Whoever you're around most often, those who have the greatest influence in your life, are going to have effects upon you. They're going to have an influence upon the way that you think, feel, believe, act, all the things above. So be careful with with this. Don't look down on this and say, this is just a dating verse. This is not about dating. This is about life. Your closest companions ought to be Christian companions because they're going to reinforce and encourage you in the areas that matter most, fidelity to Christ. Yeah. Bad company corrupts good morals. That's right. 1 Corinthians 15, we just covered that not too long ago. Yeah. That old illustration, if you're standing on a chair, it's easier for somebody to pull you down off the chair than for you to pull that person up on the chair. Right. Right. So, it is easier. Yeah. Way easier. And the, the objection that the, the more astute uh, observer might bring is, well, this isn't this dealing with business relationships. Wasn't Paul primarily dealing with that here? And I mean, okay, let's, let's grant that. Yet if that's true of business relationships, how much more sh- to use the argument from the lesser to the greater, should that be true of our dating relationships and eventual marriages as well? So yeah, I think helpful, helpful counsel there. Yeah. And just to, just for the, for that critic, I, I don't think it's exegetically, I, I, don't, I don't think that's what Paul's going for. I think the whole book itself lends itself to the idea. There's people within the Christian, the Corinthian congregation who are those unbelievers, right? He's he was chastising one of them for dating his stepmother, probably. Yep. Um, so it, it seems like he's calling the church to exercise church discipline, yeah. to exert, to remove those who are not believers. So all that said, this is an encouragement to all of us to be careful with the companions that are closest to us. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks for tuning in and joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope it's been a blessing to you and we pray that you'll join us again tomorrow, Lord willing, for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Awesome. See you. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Thank you.